And so as always, before we begin to sub submerge into our unsearchable inheritance in Jesus Christ is the unchanging epigraph of the study of the Word of God in the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Stating these things, Christ was taken up before the eyes of the disciples. They continued to look into the sky thinking something else will happen, that they'll see him again. And then two men appeared, angels, and said, Men of Galilee, why you stand and watch the very Jesus that left from you this day into heaven will return again. <clears throat> just the same way as you saw him go up, which contradicts many biblical doctrines that state that he will come and everything will fly, that disasters will take place. We see that nobody even knew about him rising, not the newspaper, everything was quiet, and it was quiet and unnoticed. God will take from here his bride soon, quietly and unnoticeably, at the time when the world will be boiling within their economical uh, issues and other issues. God will take his own quietly, and she'll just... I don't know what the newspapers will say in the next day, when a specific number of people will just vanish from the earth. We together stand at the line of this day. The time has come close. This very time has come very close. We will be witnesses. This generation will be witnesses of this great and glorious opportunity, this great promise, and so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit. Again, we will be studying our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we could put on the new way of life. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4:22 through 24. That category of people that will not put off their former way of life and will not renew their mind by the spirit of their mind and will not be clothed into their new person, she will not be raptured. You could state these things, you can sing these things, you could do whatever you want, you can evangelize, you can give your body to be burned, 
you can give all of your possessions, nothing will work. God does not ask us to give all our possessions. He says, put off your former way of life, renew your mind by the spirit of your mind, and that you be clothed into your new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And to fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts, to put off, be renewed, and put on, that will determine whether you transform into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath and will be raptured, or... More specifically, will come the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or we will lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. Every time when I say this, <coughs> I with sorrow state that for the most part churches, Protestants, so-called churches, I'm not talking about Catholic and other uh, Orthodox or other uh, Christian denominations, they do not present salvation as a guarantee. They present it as a completed act or that it needs to be earned. You don't need to earn it. You need to receive it in the form that God gives it to you and then turn it so that you can profit so that you can receive your confirmation of your salvation. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we really need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help, this help as His mercy or inheritance of His mercies, is the armor of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. We've noted that the genesis of prayer is inherent to the genesis of God as it's always existed and revealed itself there where God abides and where the Lord demonstrates or reveals himself, shows his mercy. Therefore, the extent or degree of our knowledge of the will of God, which we are studying in the three functions to put off the old man, be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and clothe yourself into your new person, absolutely depends on the extent of our understanding of the genesis of prayer. Prayer is the language of God, the means given to us by God, and the legitimate right to communicate with God. This is specifically why erecting an altar identifying the state of and motives of a heart of a worshiper of God as well as the sacrifice that is brought upon such an altar it identifies the legit and rightful status of prayer belonged exclusively to those people that were clothed into the rightful virtue and status of a priest which of course is unaccessible to people of the flesh and infants in Christ this is not for them in order for them to become priests, they need to <coughs> cast off the old man, be re renewed by the spirit of their mind, and 
put on the new person. If a person will not accomplish this, has not received or accepted this, he is not a priest of the new covenant. He does not possess the rights of a median or intercessor. He can pray, God can hear, and maybe not hear. He could respond or not respond because he does not know how to pray and about what he needs to pray. He is unfamiliar with God's language. A person that is clothed into the rank and virtue of a priest is a person that is clothed into the virtue of a legitimate median. This person is trusted by God with the right, by the means of legitimate prayer, that satisfies his demands and is his language to approach God and enter into the presence of God in order to to present his rights and his interests that are demonstrated in his will. One of these prayers is written in the 143rd Psalm of David, and the psalm opens up the conditions based upon which a person is called to form a legitimate foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into your life as well as those boundaries of those areas we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. The psalm has become the subject of our next studies. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant for in your sight no one living is righteous this is God's language this is the kind of prayer that we need to pray this doesn't mean just copy this prayer you you can copy it but you can pray in the spirit of this prayer for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. It is necessary to explain to God the situation we are in, battling against our old person and with those enemies that are called our ambitions, our corrupt desires that are often draped in, into good works and evangelism. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. Psalm 143, 1-12 The greatest virtue in heaven position is a servant. The Heavenly Father is a servant. This is his greatest position, this is his greatest quality, that he has magnified his word in the temple of our body above all of his names. And when God places his word above all of his names, and he is vigilant that it and watches for it so it be fulfilled, that means God voluntarily makes himself a servant of his own spoken word, which he magnifies above himself and he is vigilant 
over it, showing an example how we need to behave with the words that come from our mouth. The phrase, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, indicates the early morning that follows the dark night. This symbolizes, in scripture, the resurrection of Christ, which we can see in the law of the spirit of life, which is called to deliver our body from the law of sin and death. And so destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ in its place. Therefore, in order for David, as well as us, to hear the mercy of God early in the power of the resurrection of Christ as a result of the given to us by God redemption that is in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus, it was necessary for David and necessary for us to present to God <coughs> a legitimate foundation or a specific right that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. A legitimate foundation upon the tablets of our heart in the given prayer are ten unique in their nature arguments <coughs> identified as the promises and inheritance and commandments that we need to present to God as the consistency of our heart telling God hear me in your faithfulness and righteousness hear me for the sake of remembering the days of old and all of your works that are imprinted upon my heart. Hear me, for I spread out my hands to you without wrath and without doubt. Hear me, for in you do I trust. Hear me, for I lift up my soul to you that I have brought upon the altar upon your altar hear me because in you I take shelter hear me for you are my God hear me for your name's sake hear me for your righteousness sake and hear me because I am your servant in the previous services we already looked at the nature of the first argument and stopped to study the second argument the unique argument this is evidence that David's heart contained memories of the days of old and all of the works that were done by God in those old days which David confessed and presented in his prayer we have noted that the symbol of this evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest which is an item of unique and continual remembrance before God identifying with itself the legitimate example of continual prayer with which we as kings and priests of the new covenant are to approach God in Christ Jesus and constantly be in communication with him and this breastplate of judgment was created for and served only one element within the heart of a man, one sacral, sacral item, this is the Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. The Urim and the Thummim were present in the Golden Ark, in the Ten Commandments, in the Manna, and in the Rod of Aaron. They were there, and they w represented the Urim and the Thummim. God there at the lid of the ark, or the mercy seat, spoke with the person, and he also communicated with man at any place and any time, and David knew about this. Not one of the high priests and not one of the kings ever allowed themselves to do that, which what David allowed himself to do. Whatever... Uh, expedition he'd go on or whatever uh, uh, travel he needed to do he took the ephod with him and every time he 
needed to pray and worship God, he requested the ephod be brought to him. He put on the ephod and called God, called to God. And God responded and did not consider this as a lawless work or a sin. And he alone had this right because he alone was a an example of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus called himself the root and offspring of David, being a king and a high priest and a prophet. David was a king, he was a high priest, and he was a prophet. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment discovers itself in the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works upon the tablets of whom in the twelve names of the patriarchs the example of the status of legitimate prayer is in accordance to the demands of the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. The twelve golden settings is the ruling truth of the of the elementary principles of Christ, which identifies the order of the given law of God in righteousness and holy truth that we as worshipers of God are called to demonstrate before the face of God in the legitimate foundation or basis of our continual prayer. Continual prayer is the most powerful form of prayer, one that is not interrupted ever, because it can only be interrupted by sin. If there's no sin between God and man, then God continuously communicates with this person in spirit and in his spirit and can teach his spirit and the spirit can periodically then pass something on to our renewed mind. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sig- as signet names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting with itself the perfect judgments of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ. That is a uh, not familiar to many. People think they know the teaching of Christ, but it's not so. In order to know it, you need to continuously be in it. You need to have God's order in your heart, that theocratical order and the the structure, and he will then reveal the person by whom he will present you this teaching. They can read God's word, but they... uh, They forsake his truth because they consider it uh, foolishness because they have their own degrees they receive in biblical colleges. With this we conclude that it wasn't the golden settings in the form of the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in size and configuration to the precious stones, but the precious stones in the form of our prayers are the ones that are adjusted in size and configurations to fit the golden settings of truth, which is why the revelation of God in the form of the Urim, symbolizing the Holy Spirit, can only exist within the boundaries of the truth, which is the in the heart of a man is the Thummim, demonstrating the principles of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31 6. We are called to build ourselves into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, so we can offer offer to God acceptable sacrifices in Jesus Christ. The friendship of the Thummim and Urim within the heart of a person is the unification of two formats of godly wisdom. The scriptures state that the carriers of the Thummim and Urim are the true worshippers of God, and the most amazing thing is that they possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit 
in a specific format. We've already looked at the seven qualities that the heart of a warrior in prayer possesses in the first seven precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continually bring about his will upon planet Earth and stop to study the eighth quality and the eighth precious stone upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart presented in the virtue of the precious agate stone and the name carved upon the second precious stone of the breastplate of judgment located in the third row from the bottom upon the tablets of our heart is Asher which means captive of blissfulness or blessing. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Genesis 30, 12-13. When translated from the Greek word agat, it means blessed, which absolutely corresponds to the meaning of the name Asher, a captive of bliss or blessing written upon the stone. The name of God presented in the precious agate, according to the conclusion, of a Jewish rabbinate is El Elyon, which means Most High. This directs to the unlimited and sovereign authority or power of God in his unlimited expanse which he fills with himself due to his omnipresence as well as the created by him visible and invisible creation. It expands in his endlessness which God fills with, with himself, with his omnipresence. According to the meaning of the name Asher, the eighth principle in the foundation of our continual prayer is the function demonstrated in our voluntary dependence of becoming a blessed captive of God so that we, with our prayer, would collaborate with the name of God most high, a glad, joyous, happy, the, the prayer needs to be presented with great joy because we, in prayer, confess the fact that God has already what God has already accomplished in Jesus Christ and we thank God for this joy and this gladness and we proclaim the not existent as existent. Relevant to the subject, we've already studied a series of parables and events that we became familiar with and their conditions. We learned that we can fulfill these conditions by the name of God El Elyon or God Most High and destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of the reigning in its sin. This reigning sin identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds so that we would cast him out from our body to hell with noise and afterwards erect the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to look at the next condition. The next condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, and we all will experience this, and many are already experiencing putting off of the old man, this situation, the state, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who got us to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. We've noted that this story is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High, and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul, together with reigning sin in the form of 
our old person with his deeds, because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and who we are to God in Christ Jesus, God receives the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise. Here And this will all happen here on earth before we will be raptured to meet the Lord in the air. In character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer, which is the grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. This identifies his altar that is sanctified, cleansed, that <clears throat> you can then bring sacrifices upon. The second part reveals the consistency of his legal prayer, one that is uh, the offering that is brought upon the altar that gives gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all his enemies and uh, from our enemies as well. And the third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind because it is written in the format of an epic battle. In the specific format, we've already looked at the first part and studied and stopped to study the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High, although there are many more of them. There are 50 of them total. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies. And for God, discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God grounds to use his abilities that consist in his eight names in battle against the enemies of David. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Oh, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. When we study all of these names, we can then not just say, Lord, you are my strength. You can now state it and know what you're saying. The Lord is my strength. He's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, <clears throat> the one in whom I trust, my shield. When you say which, these words, you will understand what you're saying, the meaning of them, because these words work as in the capacity of how much we understand them in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith we already looked at the lot of our inheritance and the power contained in the Lord's name strength and have turned to look at our lot in the Lord's name a rock that an inner consistency contains an unearthly form of hardness that is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is not something that we that can be comprehended by the abilities of just the simple human mind. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the existing names of God Most High is purposed to be the calling 
and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit to rule over their earthly bodies. And if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, and his calling is to adopt his body by the redemption of Christ, collaborating with God to do this, pursue this goal in the form this er, and so again his calling is his earthly body then this prayer is not for him and will not benefit him if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling his body therefore the quality in Lexus identifying a rock in the sense of the character of hardness we are studying has no relation to the definition of the word as it exists in the dictionaries of the world since a rock in its quality of hardness is an identification and specification of the quality and nature of God exclusively and his children as well and in scripture the definition of the word rock is illustrated in the following way resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested and tried rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, continual, fearless, unquenchable, or undiminishing, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin, and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the quality of a rock in its quality of hardness pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms. <clears throat> Stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath, or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. This means a specific weight by which you can determine the price and worth of the weight individual or item. As it is written, who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of justice, who taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket, and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. Isaiah 40, 12-15 Therefore the inherited lot contained in the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge, to measure, or weigh upon the scale of his godly justice all the made by him creation in order to reward or punish each according to their results. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written, as this is the inscription, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Ufarsin. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and, fu- and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Peres, your kingdom has been divided and given in the given to the Medes and Persians, and later it says they'll take today your life as well. According to what we've learned here, to be clothed into the power of a rock of the Lord is to be clothed into the fear of the Lord, that is, into wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of the Lord, first ourselves and then those people that we are responsible for. You shall not have in your bag differing weights a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. We shall have a perfect and just weight and a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God gives you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 25, 13, 14. 
Scales or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God Rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identifying his wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by him creation so that each one weighed upon the uh, plates of these scales receives his reward according to their results. Weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High according to which he judges or weighs upon the scale plates of his justice the made by him creation. He puts upon one plate his condition and on us upon the other and if we are leveled out we weigh accordingly then this is good in his eyes therefore to possess the power of the most high consisting in his name rock is to possess power to the right to judge yourself and judge those people we carry responsibility for within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we carry responsibility for. I just want to comment a little bit. The responsibility of an apostle to judge all. Apostles are called to judge the rulers of the world and about all things. But not every person can. Not all have this very large responsibility because a lot of responsibility requires a lot of trembling and fear from the side of man for God to give this and to apprehend and be clothed into the unearthly virtue of a rock in the sense of the character hardness contained in the name of God Most High which satisfies our hunger and thirst and gives us power over our calling we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions what in essence is the characteristic hardness what purpose is the characteristic of hardness called to fulfill in our prayer? What price do we need to pay in order to be clothed into the characteristic of hardness as a rock of the Lord? And by what results do we judge that we truly possess the characteristic of hardness or as a rock consisting in the power of the name of God Most High? We have noted that all of the names of God, all 50 names, not just these eight, discover themselves in each other because they are dissolved in one the other, come from one the other, are demonstrated one the other, empower one the other, and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in the given psalm of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in the form of a sequence where each succeeding name is demonstrated is a demonstration of the previous name or discovers itself in the following after itself name. In a specific format, format, we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to have the right to clothe our spirit into the characteristic of the hardness of God or a rock of God so that God would receive the legitimate basis to keep us in his perfect peace? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of four conditions that when fulfilled, we are called to are called to clothe our spirit into a rock of the Lord. Therefore, we will turn to look at the fifth condition. And it consists in implementing God's order into your calling, or that is, into your body. God's order, God's structure into your body, or subject your body to the scripture and the structure of God by the means of his righteous judgment. 
Moreover, he shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, a place such and place such over to be the ruler of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times, then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every matter or small matter they themselves shall judge, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all of the people will also go to their place in peace. Exodus 18:21 through 23 I will remind us that the legitimacy and ability to judge with a just judgment already by itself identifies our spirit having the quality of a rock of God. First, each one of us is called to judge themselves and those people that we are responsible for in accordance to the demands of the order that functions in the body of Christ in order to know within our ba- within what boundaries we are called to submit submit ourselves to the word of authority. We note that the raw quality of our spirit first consists in the fact that each one of us has specific things for which we are called to carry responsibility for and make decisions for, and if we will not be doing this, making these decisions, and give the initiative to our neighbor, our wife, husband, children, parents, pastor, uh, your boss at work, we then not only will lose our own sovereignty, but will also encourage our neighbor to break our sovereign boundaries. While looking at the qualities which are the price for the right to possess the virtue of a rock of God within your spirit so that you can rule over yourself in accordance to the demands that are implemented by God in Scripture, we decided to look at the first phrase of the studied bias text. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covet, and place such people. Accordingly, we yield four characteristics from this writing that we need to have so that our spirit could be clothed into a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to rule over ourselves as well as over those people that we carry responsibility for before God. Is to... Again, we need to be able men, have the fear of God, be a man of truth, and hate covetousness. In the previous service, in a specific format, we've already looked at the first two characteristics, giving us the right to the power to be clothed into the rock of the Most High, and stopped to look at the third characteristic. This is to be a man of truth. To be a man of truth, or a fair man, is to stand guard of the code of righteousness in accordance to which we are called to think, speak, and act. Relevant to the subject, we turn to a place of scripture, where ten components are presented by which we need to determine how much we correspond to the requirement of being a man of truth. This is so that we can allow God to clothe us into the inherent to him quality of a rock. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful who also will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 through 24. And so we see here 10 requirements of being a man of truth or stand upon the code of righteousness. 
Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are good to God. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. The definition of being a man of truth is to stand guard of your dedication by the truth of continuous sanctification. First, sanctification of what is being dedicated is separating the pure from impure and the holy from the unholy. Second, sanctification of what is being dedicated is to be vigilant in prayer where we keep guard so that no foreign or wicked thought enter that is attempting to break through into our heart. We already looked at four requirements by which we need to examine ourselves to see if we are men of truth and doing so provide God the proper grounds to clothe our spirit into the quality of a rock so that we can inherit and be satisfied with the, mil- with the multitude of his peace and stop to look at the fifth requirement. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption in His blood and forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 12-13 The essence of this condition is that we are called to thank God only for that format of redemption that comes from information of the preached to us seed of the word of truth. It would have been very unwise and foolish to thank God for what comes from the evil one and those who are carriers of lawlessness. I grew up in a church and you also grew up in such churches where they told you that everything that happens to you is from the Lord. They didn't think that many things happen because of ourselves and many from the evil one as well. And so they brought forth uh, the these uh, stories, so to say. One person, I won't tell the whole story, but he as if was brought by God into such a place that he knocked... Uh, on his ha- the door of his house and he said if it pleases God then I'll be your husband because sh- she convinced him that everything that God uh, that, that happens with him is uh, pleasing to God everything that happens to him and so it was these kinds of uh, stories that they would tell trying to under, uh, justify what they were teaching which was incorrect Without our thanksgiving to God for all that comes from Him, our dedication will stop being dedication because thanksgiving to God for His work of redemption is demonstrating our faith without which no one will be able to please God, that is, draw His favor upon themselves or find His grace. God exists and reveals His presence within the atmosphere of praise in His nation and also within the heart of an individual person that praises God upon the condition that we are a part of Israel to, uh, that you're a warrior in prayer but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel Psalm 22 3 thanksgiving in prayer is none other than the demonstration or opening of a thankful heart before God that is the kind of heart a warrior in prayer has that is how his prayer will also be the identification and the purpose of the work 
of the word thanksgiving is directly linked to the quality of our faith or the quality of our obedience to the will of God. The first sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer, identifying the righteousness of our heart, providing God the basis to make us strong and immovable in faith, is the result that identifies the nature of praise and worship to God. The term praise demonstrating itself in the format of thanksgiving is a specific legitimate instrument confirming the format of legitimate relationship between a person and God. Therefore, it is by the means of praise identified in the format of thanksgiving that the child of God is called to confirm their right to a legitimate relationship with God or to build a proper relationship with God and receive help from God timely. We've noted that one of the meanings of the word thanksgiving is grace. Therefore, when praise to God comes from a thankful heart of a man, then such a nature of praise from man provides God the proper basis to reveal His grace. And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. And so in some of the uh, Bibles, the, interp- the translation is written as grace upon grace is how it is written. This is an incorrect uh, Way to put it, grace for grace is correct. God gives us his grace for our grace. He opens up his favor. He shows his favor because we show to him our favor. Turn to me and I will turn to you. This is grace for grace. Praise of a person in prayer demonstrated in the format of thanksgiving is a person regard. Uh, regarding God and where he demonstrates to God his grace, demonstrated as the faith of his heart, where a person confesses or pours out to God the consistency of his heart. When we state to God who he is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for for us in Christ Jesus within the plan of his redemption, who we are to God in Christ Jesus and what conditions we are ready to fulfill in order to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This is our thanksgiving that he will always respond with his own favor, thanksgiving. In Hebrew, grace identified as thanksgiving of a man demonstrates itself in praise to God for the works he has already done or accomplished within the plan of redeeming the spirit, soul, and body. To praise is present evidence to the right to praise God. And such evidence needs to be demonstrated in prayer and in song. Evidence to the right to praise God. List the names and titles of God. In your prayers and songs, list the perfect works of God in prayer and song. Thank God for work He has already done in prayer and song. Boast about God in your prayers and songs. Honor God with your tithes and your offerings. In prayer and song, so that these tithes and offerings that be given to God with prayer and in song accompanied with it. Remain and not abandon your place. Be faithful to your calling. Study and fulfill the desires of God. Trust in God and hope upon God. 
The second sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is a specific indication of the kingdom of heaven within a person. The absence of thanksgiving, uh, praise, and prayer serves as evidence of the fact that this person refuses to trust or hope upon God, which is why such a prayer sacrifice dishonors God. This is why many prayers will never be heard by God because these prayers, there is an absence of thanksgiving of a person in an, access, in an acceptable praise to God, testifying before God that this person is faithful to the statutes of God and this person hopes and trusts upon the protection and safety of God. Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders this conduct aright, I will show the salvation, the salvation of God. Psalm 50:23. Our path that we need to watch in our prayer conversation with God are the boundaries of our responsibility according to Scripture for whomever and whatever and first of all, we ourselves. To watch your path is the ability to judge first yourself in accordance to the, to the commandments, instructions, and statutes that are impl implemented by God in Scripture. And such watch of your path is the preamble or preparation for bringing an offering of praise, demonstrated in our thanksgiving, which elevates and thanks uh, elevates our thanksgiving in our praise to God into in the status into the status of legitimate grace. When we come to God, we need to prepare our heart to to hear. Look at the motives we pursue when we come to God's service. And when we don't do this, this is refusal to carry responsibility that God has placed over uh, upon us. And this will then result our loss in the position of the body of Christ, blotting of our names out of the book of life, and losing our salvation. Thanksgiving and prayer is the result of the fruit of our spirit in the quality of discipline, favor, and respect toward God. Therefore, to be unthankful, first of all, means claim the undeserved by us works as deserved and second, refusal to rely upon the faithfulness of God in His Word. When a person thinks to receive salvation for evangelism, for his good works, because he practices spiritual gifts, he is receiving the undeserved gifts of God as as deserved. I've deserved this. I've earned it. See how much, Lord, I've done for you. You can't just reject me or leave me. Now you're required to accept me into heaven. But God is never required except to his word. And if we are acting according to his word, then we will be in his grace. The third sign is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worship that does not have thanksgiving for the redemption that we have cannot be called worship in spirit and in truth. And then he spoke to this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so Pharisees were a sect that did not belong to the Levites but wanted to perform the Levite uh, service. Uh, not being Levites, they wanted that position and tried to control the Levites. When they interpreted the scriptures, they said, no, this is not how we understand it. These were the Pharisees. 
and Saul was one of them uh, that became later Paul. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Acknowledging and confessing your sins before God is as a goal to receive justification is one of the components of our Thanksgiving, confessing of your sins. Have you ever thought that this is a part of your Thanksgiving? But this is true. The fourth sign of uh, the nature of Thanksgiving and prayer is identified as our relationship uh, with other people. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. According to this place of scripture, we see that to be unthankful is to step away from the given law of faith. And instead of attending to the words of the prophets, which are the mouth of God to us, they start to turn their ears ears to deceivers and hypocrites that don't have or their conscience has burned out that will forbid people to marry and will forbid people from eating what God has created stating that this is unclean and unhealthy for the human body. I will read the diet that God has offered to all men on earth. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that moves on the earth. Here's the diet, and all that moves on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Everything that moves on the earth, it says. (coughs) I remember one of my sons was speaking with one uh, that believed somewhat in the faith of the Adventists and uh, he read that everything is given for food which confused this person and so forbid people from marrying according to the requirements of scripture And so this is pretty much a perversion of the obligations or responsibilities in the relationship of of two people that are in marriage. As Catholics, as you know, they actually forbid their uh, priests to marry and and, uh, there's uh, other kinds of belief uh, of these kinds. 
uh, the Orthodox also uh, uh, have this, but they, I believe, a little bit differently. And so, again, forbidding from marriage, that doesn't mean completely forbidding, but again, it's a perversion of the r- obligation that you have in your, in your matrimony, in your marriage. These can be uh, all kinds of uh, either uh, all kinds of perversions of the uh, intimate nature of the relationships and ones that uh, offend the the partner. And there also could be all kinds of rules or uh, or where one partner violates the sovereign rights of the other when the husband thinks he's socially higher or in position higher than his wife. He's not higher. He just has a different role to respond for his family and the wife uh, as to direct the household. These are roles. Uh, In your relationship with God, not looking at the fact that he's your helper, he is greater than us. But in the... uh, in your uh, union, uh, a wife is not lower or higher than a husband, and before God, you are the same. You have different roles. And so, perversion, again, is when they implement all kinds of uh, rules in the household that a woman is lower than a man and that she needs to obey her husband and everything. The scriptures say, as the church obeys Christ in all, that's how the wife, her husband's, but the church is obedient to Christ only within the boundaries of Scripture. And if the husband demands and asks for something out of the boundaries of Scripture, not only are you not to fulfill it, you need to uh, refuse to do this uh, very, very clearly and tell him that you'll never do this and that he's violating the rights of a husband and your rights as well. Fifth, a sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer <coughs> is identified in the relationship of a person with God. And so the nature, again, of thanksgiving is that your fruit of, spi- of the Spirit be greater than the gifts of the Spirit, be priority. Do not forsake the gifts of the Spirit, but they need to be secondary uh, when it comes to bearing the fruits of the Spirit should be priority because a person becomes arrogant that he has gifts of the Holy Spirit and something's working, but if he has no fruit of the Spirit, he'll go to hell. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Lord, uh, look, there you have it, what is yours? And so when a person does not uh, invest, turn to profit his salvation, it's just as one person who received this talent, he's unthankful. Here's what is yours. But this Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten 
ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He, he, he who has an ear, let him hear. Matthew 25, 24-30. <laughs> According to scripture, to be unthankful is to be evil and unfaithful, is to be uh, devious and unfaithful, is to be lazy and refusing to invest uh, your money, your time, and your energy into good ground. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Galatians 6, 7, 8. Sixth, to be, uh, to looking at the nature of thanksgiving, is when you have nothing, you have everything. They consider us as deceivers, and yet we are true, as unknown, and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Second Corinthians 6, 8-10 through 10, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. First Timothy 6, 8 First, according to Scripture, the character of thanksgiving to God will demonstrate itself in being content with everything that God has allowed you to have. Thank God that you have allowed me <clears throat> to have what I have today. Second, the character of thanksgiving will be identified in the fact that we being poor, we will be able to make many rich. <clears throat> and you'll say, how is that possible? It is possible. When you, according to scripture, will teach a person how he needs to work with his money. <clears throat> as soon as you teach him, and he correctly begins to work with his money, and, and, and gives this tenth part to God, and thanks God for what he has, money will stop controlling this person. He will rule over his money and he will be blessed. Fourth. Third. The character of thanksgiving to God will be that we not having anything will be able to possess all things. To possess all things is to Acknowledge that everything that is in this world belongs to the children of God. And acknowledging this is enough that this is all mine, but God only has given me what I can use right now. It's kind of like there are kings or very wealthy parents that have many things, and the children know that they inherit all of this, and this belongs to them also, but they only use <coughs> what the parents allow them to use at the, at the moment. So know that everything that is in this world belongs to you, and when you lose something, don't worry about it, because the whole world is within your hands. God has allowed you to lose something to see how you will behave. Will you become afraid, or will you thank God as Job did? Yes, the Lord took it May the Lord's name be blessed. We haven't lost anything because we have not lost God. Fourth, the character of thanksgiving to God 
is identified in a way that where we as Abraham, we will uh, look at materialistic blessing as something strange or, or something that is someone else's. We'll see it, look at it this way. And we will seek the city which has a foundation whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Abraham dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and, Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 9, 10. The seventh is the absence of uh, filthy language, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. Ephesians 5.4, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And so a person that is thankful is a person that's faithful, good, and is good for every good work, loving to work, and ruling over his money. Thanksgiving is praise is, and confession of God's faith. Thanksgiving is acknowledging God's authority in those whom he sent. An unthankful person is an evil person, lazy person, unfaithful person, and not good for every good work, which is a slave of mammon and is greedy. An unthankful person, instead of thanking God for whom he is for him and what God has done for him and who he is for God, he's going to thank God for that he is not like other people. Again, I present this pra- uh, place of scripture. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. They, Luke 18, 11. They don't thank God for whom he, uh, who he is for them. They, You say, Lord, I thank you that you have allowed me to be as I am. It's as if, when you say something like this, it's as if it's right, but it's dangerous. You have to say, Lord, I thank you that you, in Jesus Christ you have given me everything, that you in Jesus Christ are my God, and I in Jesus Christ am your son. And in Jesus Christ, everything that belongs to him belongs to me also. I thank you for this undeserved mercy. May your name be blessed. Don't thank God uh, for who you just uh, because that's how you are. That's how the Pharisee uh, prayed. The eighth sign or nature of thanksgiving is pretty much a nature of offering that you need to eat and not leave it till morning. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving is a prayer. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. Offer it of your own free will. On the same day it shall be eaten. You shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. Leviticus 22, 29, 30. This means that a person, if he leaves something from this offering, doesn't eat it until morning, then with this he says that he is the Lord. Not God is the Lord, but he is the Lord. He... God says, no, if you want for this to be thanksgiving, you bring me an offering of thanksgiving and you want my favor, you need to eat it completely till morning, for I am the Lord. In other words, to 
to thank God, we need to thank Him, give everything in that day. I remember how some people would write me letters when I preached, especially when I was answering questions. I remember I came to one of the one one church, one congregation, and after the sermon, the pastor left the left the church. He was the Episcopal. And he said, ask Pastor Akadi uh, whatever questions you have because God has given him wisdom and right now you will receive a response. And for two hours, people need to go uh, to, to catch the, the train and one writes to me, think about that tomorrow and after tomorrow you still need to speak and you will not have anything more to say. And I understood that this person is jealous because I perfectly understood that as soon as there's a question, God's response also comes. That doesn't mean I have answers to all the questions, but that means God has them. And if I am a person of God and God has put me in this role, then when a question is asked, then God gives me a response. And I pass on the response. I am the vessel that God uses to pass on His response. And this vessel can never be you pour it out and there's nothing there it's a ve- it's like that uh, vessel that the widow had no matter how much she was using there was still more and more of it and not be afraid that if i say something uh, or what what will happen later later uh, will happen for itself and god will give offering of thanksgiving is a peace offering which means that to bring this offering of thanksgiving is a person that is in a covenant of peace with God. To understand how a peace offering is brought, the offering of thanksgiving, we will look at the law of a peace offering. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil. When we say unleavened cakes, don't forget, they do need to be salty. During any bread offering, you need to bring your salt and not forget the salt of the covenant of your God. Uh, Unleavened is one that does not have yeast, but does have salt. Unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. There's also a leavened bread that's here. Not just unleavened, but as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall be belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. Leviticus 7, 11 through 15. And so the meat of the peace offering of thanksgiving is the symbol of the body of Christ that is broken for us or for our sins. <laughs> to eat the meat of the peace offering of thanksgiving in the day of, of uh of sacrifice is to acknowledge within your heart the day 
that by the means of his son Jesus Christ has reconciled all to himself that is what is of heaven and on earth and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have a preeminence for it is pleasant the f- it pleased the father that he himself of the f- of his fullness sh- shall dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross colossians 1:18 through 20 if he doesn't eat the full offering, that means he doesn't fully trust God. He's not obedient to God because to eat everything, that means you need to be saved. That will give, bring, uh, or draw God's favor. Remember how the sons of Aaron did not eat one of the offerings. They missed it. They forgot it. They prompted Moses' wrath. And then... Uh, Aaron being afraid, he said, can we, another offering, we'll eat it. And he said, okay, do that. And so together, the meat, the breads, the cakes, these are symbol of the thummim in the format of the truth that is called to abide in our heart, the teaching of Jesus Christ, principles of Christ that came in the flesh. You need to have the fullness of the teaching. Uh, You need to eat the whole thing. Oil in its different formats during the bread offerings is a symbol of the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit that opens up, enlightens, and opens up the essence of the Thummim within our heart, the format of the truth of the Word. When a bread is mixed with oil, the uh, flowers mixed with oil, this happens in us. He reveals the truth in the heart. We begin to understand the essence of what we've received. Behold, you desire the truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Psalm 51.6 Our thanksgiving to God in our offering of thanksgiving is demonstrated in our prayer where we uh, are in accordance to the demands or requirements of these breads and these cakes. Thanksgiving of God as a response to our thanksgiving is the revelation of his Urim, the work of his anointed uh, oil. The meaning of the four uh, or the significance of these four works of thanksgiving of the Urim we, we, we see here the breads, the cakes, the meats, where you see mixed and uh, anointed and baked with oil as well. The unleavened bread mixed with oil is the unification of our conscience that is cleansed with dead works in the format of the Thummim and the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you Exodus 31.6 our thanksgiving to God is presented in our conscience being cleansed from dead works and God's thanksgiving to us is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit relevant to this I want to remind us that dead works are outwardly uh, good works and the initiator of them is our flesh these uh, breads uh, anointed with oil is our boldness that is based upon faith in our heart in the form of the thummim anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil for God was with him Acts 10.38 
In the given aspect, our thanksgiving to God is presented in the boldness of our faith. At the same time, thanks the thanksgiving of God to our boldness is a demonstration of His good work and healing power. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts 40, 31. The oil that is fixed with, uh, mixed with oil is a result of our abiding in the truth of the Thummim, identifying the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, and the revelation of the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit that reveals in our heart the mystery of the Thummim. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. One of the meanings of the verb to uh, keep means to meditate about it. It's not possible to follow God's commandments without meditating about them. To meditate about the commandments by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is to saturate the uh, bread with oil. The urim and the format of the oil that identifies the Holy Spirit to receive he receives the ability, the Holy Spirit receives the ability to saturate us with meaning of the word that we hear. I thought about the I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimony, Psalm 119.59. In this time when Apostle Peter was meditating about the uh, not understood by him vision, then the time during the time of his uh, meditation, the Holy Spirit showed him the essence of what he was thinking about. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Acts 10, 19, 20. If you remember, Isaac, he went into the field to meditate, and at that time he came, he saw Rebekah coming to greet him upon the camel. This means that the Son of God doesn't know the exact time when he needs to come for us and he thinks about he's meditating about it he meditates about it and at that time the father will give him knowledge that so that he can see the one that will be bride to him in the given aspect our thanksgiving to god is presented in our meditation for the about the visions that are shown to us and god's thanksgiving to us is to explain to us what we're meditating about the leavened bread is demonstration of our faith in the format of the kingdom of heaven that abides in our heart and the power of the Holy Spirit leavened it, le- uh, it makes the entire lump uh, leavened another parable he spoke to them the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened Matthew 13.33 in the given aspect our thanksgiving to God presented in receiving the Holy Spirit in the format of leaven into our spirit, soul, and body and so again we haven't received it just for our spirit we receive the kingdom of heaven for the soul and the body as well receiving leaven for the body means receive by faith the promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ here on earth which that we can be delivered from corruption in our body and as we uh, carried the image of 
this mortal body here on earth, we will be in the heavenly body later. Our thanksgiving again is the receiving of the kingdom of heaven in the format of leaven. <coughs> God's thanksgiving for us receiving the kingdom of heaven that is leavened into our spirit, soul, and body is the enthroning of the kingdom of heaven in our conscience, in our mind, and the mouth of our body. And so before the unleavened breads are mixed with oil and anointed with oil, you needed to cook them or bake them with oil. They were cooked with o upon oil and then they were anointed and then or uh, with oil. To be baked upon the oil is to be ready to uh, as food for God. We don't saturate uh, we don't just give him flour with oil, we prepare a bread. And so to be baked upon oil is to be prepared to as uh, be useful f to God for every good work. And the other is to become a light to the world. When you brought, bring anything forth is to wave it before the Lord above your head. That testifies of the fact that before God you testify, you show God that you hate and you separate yourself from wickedness and unclean things. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all of your wondrous works. Psalm 26, 2-7 Amen. Let us pray. Let us bend our knees and thank God for the format of the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you again and again upon this blessed Bayou place that you have appointed to worship your holy name for that great mercy that you send to us in your revelation, the revelation of your word, with which you created this world, that you hold this world, with which you will judge this world, with which you will save us from your wrath, by which you will deliver us from the stronghold of death, and by which you will erect the stronghold of life in our body. And so we thank you and we worship before your word that you have magnified in the temple of our body above all your names. And you have become a servant of your word, and you are vigilant that it be fulfilled. And you desire that we, from our side, would act accordingly, and together with you, be vigilant over the word that you are vigilant over. Because you can fulfill every word only in the body of a person when he, together with you, is vigilant in prayer. That is why you because of your son Jesus Christ, you always told your disciples that they be vigilant in prayer. Because we are vigilant in prayer over those words that you are vigilant over, we thank you for our redemption. 
we thank you for the adoption and redemption of our bodies. May your mercy be glorified. We did not deserve this, but you sent your Son, and you have done this redemption and completed it. We confirm this redemption by the confessions of the faith of our heart. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for all of the works that you have done because every one of your works you have confirmed your redemption. You have shown in every one of your works how you're going to show your redemption, how you're going to battle for our earthly bodies so that here on earth you can thrust out corruption from our body and make them immortal. We thank you, our God of heaven and earth, that as we carry the image of this body, we carry the image of the heavenly body as well. We consider ourselves dead to sin, living for you. We can, we proclaim the not existent as existent. We say this because you have commanded us to say that. This is your will, and may your great and glorious name be exalted. May your the resurrection of Christ be exalted in our bodies and may your name be blessed within the temple of our body our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And now, let us proclaim unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.